In March 2022, Eric Richens, a father of three sons, died unexpectedly after drinking a cocktail his wife Corey made for him before bed. His sudden death stunned his family and friends. Eric was healthy and only 39 years old. After his death, Eric's wife Corey went on to write a children's book about grieving the death of a dad. The book is titled, Are You With Me? And Corey said she wrote it for her children in hopes it would help them cope with the unexpected loss of their father, whom they miss dearly. In the book, a young boy who loses his dad wonders if his father is still with him somehow. The book talks about how to handle grief, and Corey details the importance of the three C's. Connection, continuity, and care. Corey booked and appeared on local talk shows in Utah, touting her book and also garnering sympathy for the loss of her husband. She said in her interviews that she was new to all this, she was a widow now, and she wanted to help her kids grieve, help them understand what just happened to their dad. Many looked at Corey and thought, what a strong mother to face a loss like this and have the strength to persevere. Merely one year after the death of a beloved husband, most mothers would just be trying to keep their head above water. But Corey, she's doing a press junket, teaching others how to grieve properly and also making a profit from the book sales. But then, this month, there was shocking news. Corey Richens, part-time author, was arrested after authorities found evidence that she allegedly poisoned and killed her husband Eric herself. So it appears this mother wrote a book not just about how to grieve, but how to grieve the father that she allegedly murdered. This is Avery After Dark, and I'm your host, Avery Ross. Glad to have you here. And hey, if you're enjoying Avery After Dark, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. And if you want all these episodes ad-free, join the Patreon. Today's case just broke within the past week or so, and it is beyond. A woman writing a book for her children about the loss of their dad when she was the one who allegedly murdered him? Wow. And how? Let's go back to the beginning. Corey Richens was born on April 20th, 1990, and went on to earn a master's degree from Utah State University. Corey was raised primarily by her mother, and her father died when he was in his late 50s. Growing up, Corey was always a hard worker. Over the years, she had a housekeeping business, worked at a hospital, and at the local Home Depot in Utah. Eric Richens was born May 13, 1982, and was the oldest of the family with two younger sisters. Eric and his family were well-known in the small town of Summit County, Utah, as they have a large cattle ranch and he grew up working alongside his dad. Eric graduated from the University of Utah with a degree in international studies. He was also a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, informally known as the LDS or Mormon Church, and even spent a couple years on a mission in Mexico City. In his early 20s, Eric was married to a woman named Julie Jorgensen, but things didn't work out. And as divorces usually go, it was tough for Eric. It was both mentally and financially draining. So Eric decided to spend some time being single, and he kept busy. He was an outdoorsman and an entrepreneur. Success came when he started a masonry business called C&E Stone with his business partner and close friend Cody Wright. The letters in the company's name corresponded with the friend's initials. 
The two primarily focused on intricate outdoor stonework, pavers, and tile work in high-end homes. And this grew to be a very lucrative business for the friends. So much so that both Eric and Cody purchased mutual life insurance policies. They felt this was common practice when two people go into business together, as it gives those involved the funds to buy out the other party if they were to die. Over time, Eric's reputation and company grew, and it was quite a success. His net worth was about $3.6 million. With his work, Eric would frequently make trips to Home Depot for all of his building needs. And during these shopping trips, he found himself attracted to one of the sales associates, a brunette named Corey. Eric was about eight years older than Corey, and after the first date, the two fell quickly in love. Corey felt that Eric was generous, funny, and an overall good guy, and those who work with Corey said she was a very sweet girl and very smart. Corey and Eric got married in June 2013 in a backyard ceremony at their home in Camas, Utah. But before the ceremony, there was an important conversation. Eric's mother, Linda, sat down with Corey to discuss something she brought in hopes to protect her son, a prenup. Linda said she did this in hopes that her son would be protected if anything were to happen and the two were to get divorced. She just didn't want to see her son go down the same path as he had gone down with his first wife. This prenup summarized stated that Eric nor Corey would have any rights to present or future income or assets if they divorced. But there was one circumstance where they would. If one was to die, the other would get the other's money and assets. Eric's masonry business was at the time worth around $2.5 million, so this was important to protect. After getting married, Corey became a licensed real estate agent. She listed and sold a number of high-end homes in the Utah area. And another aspect of her career was flipping houses. Reality shows have really made this a popular career because if you do it right, it can be very lucrative. You can make a ton of money. Eric and Corey owned numerous properties they would buy for cheap and then rent out or flip for a profit. So Eric and Corey seemed to be a great pair, both very driven and successful. They had nice cars, trucks, took lavish vacations. Corey was this real estate agent and Eric did work on homes. Quite a duo, reminds me of an HGTV type of couple. And Corey and Eric eventually welcomed three sons and both were very involved in their kids' lives. Eric donated a lot of his time to coach his kids' soccer, basketball, and baseball teams. He also volunteered with the Summit County Search and Rescue. But the marriage didn't come without its issues, one of them being financial. By at least 2016, Eric found that Corey was allegedly stealing money from him and also racking up major credit card debt in his name. And in 2020, Eric said he began to notice a big change in his wife's behavior. We'll be right back. You're back with Avery After Dark. It's 2020, and Eric noticed something was different about his wife, Corey. Notably, he found that she had borrowed $250,000 using a fake power of attorney and forging his initials on documents. Uh-oh. According to court records, when Eric confronted his wife, she reportedly admitted to stealing the money and promised her husband she would pay it all back. It's believed that Corey began stealing money from Eric to help her with buying and selling homes. 
After all this, it appeared the couple wanted to try and move on, so they booked a trip together. They flew off to Greece, a romantic trip for just the two of them. But there, things took a turn. During the trip, Eric phoned his sister one day and told her that Corey had fixed him a drink. And as soon as he finished it, he became violently ill. Eric told his sister that he thought his wife was trying to poison him. Now, this says a lot about the relationship with his wife. As if you were with someone that you trusted, someone you had been married to for years, and you got sick, usually your first thought is, hmm, maybe I caught a bug. Or maybe the food or drink isn't agreeing with me. But to immediately jump to the notion that your spouse is trying to kill you? That says a lot. Later in 2020, Eric drew up a new living trust and didn't tell Corey. In this trust, he transferred the family home, all of his property, and his share of the masonry company, and he gave his sister Katie complete control over it if he were to die, not Corey. So after the Grease incident, it appeared that Eric was able to somehow let go of his suspicions that his wife was trying to kill him, and the change in his trust offered him peace of mind. And as time progressed, Corey had her sight set on something new a massive $2 million property in a town close by that became known to locals as the Grand House. It was massive. And Corey was hoping to get her husband on board to purchase it so they could flip it and make a big profit. But then, on March 4th, 2022, at 3.22 a.m., Corey Richens called 911 and reported that she had found her husband, Eric, unresponsive. When police arrived to the house of Eric and Corey, a home they shared with their three sons, officials found the lifeless body of Eric Richens dead on the floor at the foot of his bed. Police began to interview Corey, and this is what she tells police. She says the evening before, March 3rd, around 9 p.m., a little more than six hours earlier, she and Eric had been celebrating with cocktails in regards to them closing on that $2 million home that Corey was going to flip. She said she prepared her husband a Moscow mule in their kitchen and then brought it to him as he laid in bed. She said he drank it along with a THC gummy. And then she went to bed, but shortly after, climbed out of bed and went to sleep in one of her son's bedrooms as she claimed he was having night terrors. She also made a point to tell police that when she left her bedroom, she left her cell phone plugged in next to her bed and did not take it with her into her son's room. She then said she woke up at 3 a.m., went back to her bedroom where Eric was, and found her husband cold to the touch, so she called 911. Corey also told police that she had tried to give her husband CPR, but first responders said it didn't appear she did, as Eric had blood coming from his mouth. A medical examiner determined Eric died from a lethal overdose of fentanyl, specifically he had about five times the lethal dosage in his system and had consumed it orally. The medical examiner also found that this was not medical-grade fentanyl, but more consistent with illicit fentanyl. This set off major red flags for Eric's family, who knew and stated that Eric did not take fentanyl. There wasn't any history of drug use in his family. There was something really wrong here. But although the Richens felt there was foul play, they opted to remain fairly quiet. Not an easy task, I'd assume, but they did so because they knew Eric's death was being investigated as a possible murder and really didn't want to say or do anything to get in the way of that. 
But his family was devastated. And in his obituary, he was remembered as a hunter, a hard worker who spent hours helping his dad on the ranch, hauling hay, feeding animals, mending fences, a very generous guy. But most importantly, he was remembered for being a great dad, and family said that being a father was his favorite thing. But along with his family, this medical report also set off alarm bells for police. And when they learn of how Eric died, they obtained a warrant for the Richensen's residence. There, they seized Corey's cell phone and several other computers. They also asked Corey if her husband had any problems with drug addiction. To find that much illicit fentanyl in your system, this has to be investigated. She said, well, he was addicted to painkillers in high school, but she really didn't know of any recent issues. Police analyzed Corey's cell phone, and this resulted in them being suspicious of her story because she said she got up to go comfort and sleep in her son's room because he was scared and didn't bring her phone along with her. But authorities found that during the time Corey was supposedly asleep in her son's room, her phone moved, was locked and unlocked numerous times, and also sent and received messages that had been recently deleted. They also found communications between Corey and a contact they identified as CL who police said was her drug dealer. Police ultimately interviewed CL in May of 2023, and they indicated that Corey had sent messages requesting prescription pain medication back in December 2021. CL told police that he got her hydrocodone and dropped it off at a house in Midway, Utah, a home that Corey was flipping. A few weeks later, Corey reached out to CL again and asked for something stronger. This time, Corey wanted some of the quote-unquote Michael Jackson stuff. The drug she's referring to is propofol, but CL got her fentanyl instead. On February 11th, 2022, Corey paid CL $900 for 15 to 30 fentanyl pills. And this leads us to Valentine's Day. On February 14th, 2022, Corey and Eric had dinner at their home. Corey prepared the food, and Eric took one bite of a sandwich Corey had bought him, and instantly, he broke out into hives and couldn't breathe. He frantically ran and grabbed his son's EpiPen and took a Benadryl before passing out. Needless to say, he usually didn't have this type of reaction to a sandwich. Most don't. As soon as he woke up, Eric reportedly called his business partner to tell him about what had happened and said that he thought his wife was trying to poison him and kill him. About two weeks after this incident, phone records show that Corey again contacted CL and asked for another $900 worth of fentanyl pills. CL fulfilled the order and dropped that off in exchange for payment. And six days later, Eric was dead from a fentanyl overdose. As police continued their investigation and interviews, in the months after his unexpected death, Eric's family was incredibly suspicious of Corey and told investigators that they believed that Corey was involved in Eric's death, but were trying to stay out of the investigation as they didn't want to interfere. The family was devastated for the couple's three sons, who were then ages 9, 7, and 5. They believed Corey had something to do with Eric's death because, according to Eric himself, he feared his wife would kill him. As we know, the Greece trip, the Valentine's Day ordeal... According to friends and family, he warned them, if anything happens to him, she was to blame. 
Eric also had reason to believe that Corey was having an affair throughout their 10-year marriage. So why stay with so many suspicions? Why did this man continue to accept food and drink from this woman? Family claimed that Eric stayed with Corey to spare their three sons from growing up in a broken home. And according to the family's spokesperson, Greg Scordis, Eric was a devoted father and husband and he was very much in love with his wife. Even though he was telling his friends and family he believed she was trying to kill him. There are other reports that state Eric was looking into a divorce in the near future, but we do know that leading up to Eric's death, Corey had a big focus, and that was buying that 22,000 square foot estate, the $2 million grand house that Corey dreamed of flipping. She believed this house was gonna be her big payday, but according to locals, it was rumored to be a cursed money pit. I think many towns have that one house, there's a mansion in my town that was built. It's monstrous, huge, huge house, but for whatever reason has sat empty for years with no one inside. It honestly does seem cursed and it looks like a ghost house. No one wants to touch it. So in agreement with many locals, Eric reportedly didn't seem to agree with his wife that this was a good idea. He objected about the purchase of the home and knew it was gonna be a really bad investment. But if you recall, when police arrived at the scene after Corey's 911 call, she told them that the night before, she and Eric were celebrating with drinks because they were closing on that $2 million property that Corey just wanted so bad. But family said, no. Eric was actually planning on telling her that they were not going to buy the house and he was gonna put his foot down and tell his wife no. So Corey's story wasn't adding up. We'll be right back. You're back with Avery After Dark. You're not gonna believe this. Well, actually, you might. Allegedly, the day after Eric's death, authorities learned that Corey ran over to sign the closing papers for the $2 million mansion, and later that day, Corey hosted a get-together, a party of sorts at her home in celebration of them closing on the estate and the deal going through. There at the party, Corey was reportedly consuming alcohol. Corey's friends and one of Eric's sisters went to the get-together, and during this, a confrontation ensued between Eric's sister Katie and Corey, when Corey told Katie to leave the house. Katie then decided to notify Corey about Eric changing his will before he died. And this is where things got ugly. Corey allegedly lost it and physically assaulted Katie, and then police had to be called. In turn, Corey filed a claim against Eric and his sister saying that he defrauded her. And two weeks later, Corey placed the unfinished mansion back on the market. Another notable and suspicious detail. About three months before Eric died in January 2022, Corey updated Eric's life insurance policy to make herself the sole beneficiary. The insurance company saw this and immediately notified Eric and his business partner, as you'll remember they had set up these policies years before, and Eric and his business partner quickly changed it back to how it was before. And most glaringly, police learned that before his death, Eric had removed Corey from his will and life insurance policy and said he did this because he feared his wife might kill him for the money. Eric's estate was worth in total about $3.6 million, and investigators believe this could have been a motive to kill. 
In the months following Eric's death, Corey wrote and published a children's book on grief titled, Are You With Me? The book is about a boy who lost his dad and wonders if his father is still around in some way. The boy wonders if he'll still show up to special events like his birthday, Christmas, and his first day of school. In the book, this deceased father assures the boy that he will be there for all those events as he will always follow him and watch after him. Corey said this book was inspired by the couple's three children, their experience with losing their father, and lingering questions they had about his death. Corey dedicated the book to, quote, my amazing husband and a wonderful father, end quote. She self-published the 41-page book on March 7th, 2023, and then came the press tour. You heard me right. Corey appeared on a Salt Lake City TV show called Good Things Utah and promoted her book to the masses. And it was all about how to deal with grief. The loss of a parent can be especially devastating for young children, as the parent who died was essentially the stability of the child's world, and children have a hard time understanding the concept of death itself. So in this clip, Corey is being interviewed by the two hosts and talks about how her husband died unexpectedly and how she's dealing with it all. Let's take a listen. Are you with me, Corey Richens, to share her three C's to helping kids cope with grief? And Corey, I want to start with your story. What happened in your personal life? So my husband passed away unexpectedly last year. So it's March 4th was a one year anniversary for us. And um, he was 39. It completely took us all by shock. Um, and we have three little boys, 10, nine and six. And, um, you know, we kind of, my kids and I kind of wrote this book on the different emotions and grieving processes that we've experienced last year and, you know, hoping that it can kind of help other kids, you know, um, deal with this and kind of, you know, find happiness some, some way or another. And to make sense and process, I'm yes. sure. And I'm yeah. sure you felt that going mm -hmm. through and trying to explain it and articulate it for you and your boys. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so I've done, you know, I'm new to all of this, so kind of doing all, you know, research and reading books and things to try and understand, you know, not only how to grieve as a widow, as a, as a wife, but also, you know, with my kids, how to help them, how to help them understand what just happened. And um, what I have kind of found is, as I mentioned, it's kind of the three C's is how I has visualize it. And it's, you know, um, connection, continuity and care. And it's, you know, making sure connection is the one major one and making sure that their spirit is always alive in your home, you know, and memories are always brought up and doing things that your loved ones love to do, whether it's riding bikes or their favorite dinner and just constantly, you know, talking about them. And and Corey, do you mention at dinner, here's dad or dad would like this meal or dad yes. would yeah. Let's bring dad on a bike ride. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, explaining to my kids just because he's not present here with us physically, that doesn't mean he, his presence isn't here with us and he's doing these things with us. And he's, you know, here for birthdays and he's here for Christmas and, you know, and it's just 
comforting to them to know that you know they're not living this life alone like mm -hmm. dad is still here it's just in a different way a different way well I opened up your book and one of the first pages I saw is a little boy it looks like he's standing in a hallway at school and he's mm -hmm. saying are you still here yes yeah and it's you know and that was like the first day of school and you know all the nerves that kids face on the first day of school with new you know and just hoping you know dad like walk with me like help me get through today like give me the strength to do that um, and it has found, you know, uh, it's been a lot of peace for my kids to, you know, to really remember that in the back of their head that they're never alone, you know, so. So you actually wrote this book with your children. I did. Mm -hmm. And it's only been a year. How did you process and say, you th go from processing death to, I need to write a book and help others? You know, I just watched the struggle that my kids were going through. And I actually, you know, I went on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and trying to find something that we could use to cope at nights. Nights are the hardest, it seems like, for everybody when, you know, dealing with anything. But I just wanted some story to read to my kids at night. And I just could not find anything. I couldn't find anything that really, you know, suited them or helped them find comfort and peace. And so, you know, I was like, let's just write one. And so, you know, I took things that my kids have said to me this last year and we kind of articulated it and put it into a story and, you know, just have hopes that it will help yeah. other kids. So Corey is telling the world that she was shocked by her husband's death and said she's new to this. And the inspiration to write the book came from watching her son struggle with losing their father. Corey said she looked all over Amazon and Barnes and Noble for a book to comfort them but she couldn't find one, which is hard to believe. So she wrote one with the input of her three sons. And in this book, she talked about the three C's, connection, continuity, and care. These are vital when dealing with grief. According to her, connection refers to her dead husband still being connected to their sons. And she said that dad's still here, just in a different way. The next is continuity, which was about maintaining a routine despite the death of a father. Keeping a routine is so important. Like the day after your husband dies, don't let the fact that he just died stop you from throwing a celebration for yourself in a house you just bought. <sighs> Exhausting. And the final C is care. This was about affirming her son's anger and frustration about their father's unexpected death. I mean, she really speaks as if she's an expert on death on grieving. Corey said she really wanted a book to help them cope at night because nights are the hardest, which is especially chilling in the light of the fact that Corey allegedly killed her husband at night. This is all just some really sick behavior. As she's watching her innocent children mourn the loss of their father, her first thought was, hmm, maybe I can exploit their grief and I can cash in. Let me write a book. Taking children's natural feelings of sadness, despair, confusion about death, and turning it into a profit for yourself is a different type of demented. Pretty dark stuff. And some of the reviews for the book reflected this. One review said, The book seemed heartwarming at first, but ultimately portrayed a creepy, haunting type of situation that the deceased father was still supernaturally stalking the young boy which is unsettling. Another review said the book contained a lot of dark thoughts and pictures. Since her arrest, it's been widely suggested that Corey wrote this book for the money. 
as she couldn't get her hands on Eric's estate. But this month, it all changed. The book tour was over. As Corey Richens has been charged with first-degree aggravated murder and three counts of second-degree possession of a controlled substance with the intent to distribute. And this is all according to court records. For the murder charge alone, she is facing 25 years to life in prison if convicted. And Corey Richens is innocent until proven guilty. But prosecutors believe the mother of three poisoned Eric in an attempt to get money from his life insurance policy the same day he told her that he would not be buying the mansion and that he was cutting her out of his will. And since her arrest, her book has been removed from Amazon's website. In regards to the time it took to make an arrest, officials and those close to the family said it took time for police to cover all their bases, conduct all their interviews, specifically with CL. They had to build a thorough case. But many, many have some questions. Why would Eric eat or drink anything his wife gave him when he reportedly knew she was trying to poison him? Why would anyone be that reckless? This part baffles me as well, but we'll have to see what new details and evidence emerge in the case as time goes on. You never know what's going on behind closed doors. Another question, how and why would someone write a book about grief after allegedly killing that person? It's being widely discussed everywhere, but one conclusion would be money. As we've discussed, money seemed to be of the utmost importance to Corey. And this type of mentality is never satisfied. Greed is never satisfied. It eats and eats and it never stops. It's insatiable. And it seems Corey wanted to profit even more from her husband's death. So yes, she wanted the money, but she also probably wanted sympathy and admiration. As we heard on that TV interview, she wanted to be seen as a victim to gain more attention. It seems that after Eric's death, Corey realized that she wasn't going to be getting the big payday she had in mind. But most importantly, Corey's three children are reportedly in good hands of family members. They are being very well taken care of, so prayers for them, and I'm glad they're in safe hands. This case has really shocked people. To think that someone is capable of doing something like this to their own family is just appalling. And if Corey is found guilty of murder, Maybe there'll be a creative writing center at the Utah Department of Corrections, and we can get another book out of her. Until next episode, this is Avery After Dark.